Before we begin the podcast, we bring you a message from our sponsor, DIY Stats. Do you prefer to handle things yourself? Are you supremely confident in your ability to handle the statistical aspects of your research and don't want to go to the trouble of consulting with a statistician? Well, we have the product for you. DIY Stats is simple to use. Just open the app, then open the bin lid and drop in your data. DIY Stats will decide what analysis should be used. Within seconds, you will have pages of beautiful output with plenty of asterisks to show you what is statistically significant. Not enough asterisks? Then select the AI P-Hack option, and DIY Stats will use its AI-powered processes to lower those p-values. You can also select the AI Hark option to ask DIY Stats to hunt around for additional hypotheses that you never thought of. They don't have to be at all plausible, and the Hark option is confidential. No one has to know you used it. Satisfaction is guaranteed, because if you have chosen DIY Stats instead of consulting with a statistician, then you've already set a nice low bar for quality. And if you are happy with this product, then we invite you to try other products in our DIY science shop such as DIY nuclear physics and DIY prostate surgery. Order today. Save 15% by using the promo code IRREPRODUCIBLE. That's I-R-R-E-P-R-O-D-U-C-I-B-L-E. And now let's go to the podcast. Hello and welcome to Practical Significance, a podcast to inspire listeners with compelling stories from statistics and data science and to propel data-driven careers forward. Here are your hosts, the ASA's Director of Strategic Initiatives, Donna Lalone, and Executive Director, Ron Wasserstein. Well, welcome everyone to Practical Significance. Ron and I feel incredibly lucky to have two wonderful guests with us to talk about all things uh, National Data Mind. They actually truly need no introduction, but I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves for the one or two listeners who don't know who they are. And so I'll start with, of course, ASA President Kathy Enzor. Uh, thank you, Donna. Thank you, Ron. Happy to be here. I'm Kathy Enser, the current ASA president, and my day job is as the Noah G. Harding Professor of Statistics at Rice University, where I also lead the Center for Computational Finance. Thanks, and I'll turn it over to Mark Ward. Thanks, Donna. Yeah, thanks to you and Ron for inviting both of us to come and discuss today. I'm Mark Daniel Ward. I'm at Purdue University. My home department is the Department of Statistics, and uh, I work most of the time in the office of the provost as director of the Data Mine Initiative. So thanks, Mark and Kathy. And I'm going to jump right in with a question for Mark. So the Data Mine at Purdue began as a, a living learning community. That's something that's been near and dear to Donna and me for a long time. And so I wondered how you made that connection, how you got interested in bringing LLCs to statistics education. 
Thank you, Ron. I'm learning so much from you and Donna over the years about living and learning and working in community. Uh, in graduate school, my wife actually uh, was an instructor in a learning community, and I really didn't think very much, honestly, about learning communities for quite some time. I talked a little bit with our learning communities office on campus, and then my first sabbatical in my career in 2013, I worked on a National Science Foundation grant proposal and thought, wouldn't it be neat to have students living together as they're learning about statistics and applying some of their class knowledge on research projects. And so we had uh, 20 sophomore undergraduates live together each year over a period of five years. And wow, Ron, those 100 students wrote almost 200 journal papers and conference talks. Uh, we brought a ton of them to the JSM, and that was kind of the start of my journey down the path of working with students living and learning together. Well, Kathy, I actually had an experience with one of your students at the ISIS conference because she presented on her project and it was really fantastic. So I know that involving undergraduates is near and dear to your heart and it's something that you've talked about encouraging student participation in the ASA as a part of your presidency. So I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about why that's so important to you. Sure. Since day one of becoming a professor at Rice, I've really engaged with undergraduates and graduate students and for 10 years had the privilege of being the statistics PI for a NSF vertically integrated research and education grant that we called Vigor, if you remember those. And so always had this strong cohort of undergraduates integrating with our graduate students on, on research. And it was just, just a wonderful opportunity to see them grow. And now they've grown in their full-fledged professional statisticians and I look back over my long career and recognize that so many of those young people have already mentored young people, and, and it just, it's just wonderful to see that. But it's critically important that, that undergraduates understand uh, what statistics and data science can do for the world and how they might contribute in that way. And anything that I can do to help them along, I'm, I'm happy to do that. And, and yes, you do get some superstars. Uh, I think I remember this the student that you're talking about, and uh, she is definitely a superstar, and I think she's actually headed to Stanford to do a PhD. That's really amazing, and the, the whole pay it forward theme is something that I know that is important to both you and Mark. Mark, I want to shift gears a little bit and actually focus on the on the data mine, which I think did emerge out of your work with the LLC. And one of the unique aspects is the variety of corporate partnerships. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you build these relationships and then also offer some advice to colleagues who might be interested in replicating your success. Sure. As far as replicating what we do, I can't say the same thing will work exactly the same on every campus. You know, we're starting to partner with several other campuses, Donna, and colleagues throughout the ASA who want to discuss what we've done with corporate partnerships are welcome to reach out to uh, Margaret Betts, Maggie Betts, Managing Director of Corporate Partnerships. Uh, she's got a whole team of folks in the data mine who uh, we work closely together to foster these corporate partnerships, and we're happy to help our, our partner institutions anywhere in the country. 
what's the secret sauce here? I'm not really sure. I, I think there's an appetite from industry to work with early career scientists, uh, not just in statistics necessarily, in engineering and the business school and the technical college, the health sciences. In, in industries, as we all know, statisticians don't work in isolation, right? We work across interdisciplinary teams and really focus on the domain of the project we're working on. And my sense is, Summer internships aren't always long enough to really replicate the kind of depth and technical level of projects that occur in industry. So in DataMine, our model is let's enable students to work over the course of nine months rather than a 10-week summer, have the students work directly with mentors from industry and have layers of mentoring, you know, peer mentoring, faculty mentoring, uh, data scientists, mentors from industry, and just trust the students, trust that they can do some research and development that's really game-changing at some of our industry partners. We don't grant degrees, Donna. I don't give certificates. I'm not in any of the colleges in, in the university system. Students come to DataMine because they really value the experience. And uh, the value of it for both the students and, and for our corporate partners seems to kind of just resonate in such a way that we just have projects kind of growing organically now. So, Kathy, as part of your presidential initiatives, you focused on the role of the ASA in artificial intelligence and data science. The National Data Mine is an important part of this. So I want to ask you to tell us why you are so excited about this project. Mark and Donna and all the other co-PIs. It's just a fantastic group of leaders and just an honor to be associated with it. But in, in all seriousness, it's a, it's a very successful project. I do agree with Mark that often the summer just seems too short and that having the opportunity to engage professionally with this content throughout the academic year as the students are also taking courses is a wonderful invention and opportunity for the students. So it gives them more of an opportunity to see what it would be like to sort of be a part of these corporate uh, questions. It's set up incredibly well with the multiple layers of mentoring I see uh, in the training that the students receive. And so I just see that in, in all likelihood, all the students that join will, will have a successful experience and go on to be uh, leaders in our profession. But I do think it's important for ASA to spend uh, significant energy on helping the next generation into our discipline. And, and this is a huge part of that. Thanks, Kathy. And I'll just say that I had the opportunity back before COVID to visit the data mine and talk to students, and they were super impressive had very good questions, came from all kinds of interesting backgrounds. It was fascinating to see the various places from which students came and, and joined the data mine. So it really is an exciting project and certainly grateful to both of you for your efforts in it. Yeah, and actually, before we get back to the national data mine, I guess I'll just take an opportunity to uh, give a plug to our listeners for activities from the, the Leadership Institute, which coming this fall, more ways in which folks can be involved in collaborative projects around artificial intelligence and data science, but more broadly speaking. So stay tuned. But back to the data mine, because it is truly exciting. And, and Mark, I know that we are just a little bit away from welcoming our first cohort of students at the time that, that we're recording this. I wonder if you could just give us a real high-level view of who they are. 
And we can't forget to say thank you to our friends, Monica Jackson, also, who's led ASAREUs in the past, and to Talitha Washington, who's been instrumental in winning a NSF Includes grant uh, in, in the last few days. So we do have a strong team, Donna. The team of students themselves come from minority-serving schools, really broadly interpreted, including historically Black colleges and universities. Uh, Hispanic survey institutions, tribal colleges and universities. Um, we have a cohort of students from Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C. The students, as Ron alluded to, have pretty broad disciplinary backgrounds as well. They don't have to matriculate in statistics departments, but they know that they're going to learn statistical methods, data-driven methods, data science methodologies for working on these projects either with companies, as we do in our Data Mine Corporate Partners Program, or on research projects with faculty that, again, last across the whole academic year. So it's it's pretty exciting. I've been talking with the students from National Data Mine Network every day, back and forth, as we're getting ready to start class on Monday. So, Thanks, Mark. And now here is the fake segue of the podcast for the month. One of the goals of the National Data Mine Network is to share resources, and you've developed a lot of teaching material for it. And that segue gives me an excuse to ask you a question I wanted to ask anyway, which is, what is your favorite topic to teach? So, Mark, I'll start with you, and then swing it over to Kathy. What you know? What do you most enjoy teaching? Uh, and I know that's going to be hard to pick one thing out. I really love these experiential data science courses that we offer for students. I'm especially thankful to Deb Nolan and Duncan Temple Lang for offering workshops at Berkeley. Way, way, way back, I think in 2008 and 2009, I visited Berkeley and learned how to offer some experiential data science courses for students that kind of got beyond chalkboard and PowerPoint kinds of learning and really allowed students to put what they learn into practice. And that has resonated with me throughout my career. And I'm, I'm very thankful that they got me started down this path. Kathy, what are the course or courses that uh, you most enjoy teaching? Hmm, I don't know. I, I'm going to give just one. <laughs> but I will say that in any course that I teach, there's also there's always a piece of experiential learning. And uh, I weave it into the core material that I need to cover. Uh, but for the last few years, I've really, really enjoyed teaching time series and forecasting and all the new opportunities there to think about the problems in that space. Uh, it's just very important, became very important during COVID for sure. So that's been a lot of fun. Looking back over my career, I really, really enjoyed teaching probability and statistics for civil and environmental engineers. And uh, so it was all problem-based, but it was civil and environmental engineering type problems. Just such a bright group of students. And, and we always rallied around these really engineering-oriented problems, which, which for me was a lot of fun. You know, they would know a lot more about bridge security, uh, but I could bring in sort of the risk management side of that. And we would just have great conversations. I don't teach that anymore. So I kind of kind of miss that. And, and also so many of those students have also grown up to be, become a really phenomenal engineer. So they're not necessarily staying in the statistics data science field, but they're taking those strong statistics and probability topics to their important work that they do in civil and environmental engineering. So, so that was always a lot of fun as well. Thanks, Kathy. And I'll just add from my own experience, I didn't 
super enjoy time series when I took it as a graduate student. you didn't take it from me. (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely right. Because had I taken it from you, I would have gotten some experience in it as opposed to just learning the theory. But when I got to teach the class and involve students in data and experiences, that's when I really saw how wonderful a topic that is. And there's just so many tools available to teach that topic these days. Okay, so I can't resist another plug. (laughs) And the plug that I'll put in is is that I don't get much opportunity these days to teach, but I do get to work with Kathy on the expert witness course. And that is a tremendous amount of fun. And I've learned a lot. And for our listeners, watch for the fall offering of the expert witness course. So coming in the fall for sure. Well, we always like to end with asking our guests what they're reading, listening to, watching. So Mark, I'll start with you. What's on your TBR or playlists or streaming service? I admittedly don't watch very much TV, Donna, but I'm on my reading list. I'm preparing to read the fourth year book in American Sign Language and take the coursework here at Purdue. My colleagues in the ASL department at Purdue have been so good to let me sit on the courses these last four years. So I'm looking forward to taking the linguistics and grammar course in ASL. I also don't read much fiction because I'm busy doing math and stats, <laughs> but I've just finished the book called True Biz by Sarah Novick, which I read a nice review in the New York Times. It turned out to be a wonderful read about uh, students in a deaf residential school. So highly recommended. You know, actually, Mark, that is on my list. So good to have the recommendation. Kathy, what about you? Reading, listening, watching, recovering from JSM is a fair, <laughs> a fair statement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm going to tell a funny story on myself. I'm, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do this, but uh, so so JSM was intense. <laughs> it was wonderful, but I have to say, the um, Saturday I was pretty tired, and so I binged watch Star Wars from beginning to end, and I was sitting there like not believing that I'm doing this, but I did do it. Took me back from way back yonder years to current years. And I actually had not followed the brand uh, after the first uh, one or two. I had quit watching. So the later ones were new for me. So that was kind of interesting. That was my Saturday. So uh, if you can imagine, <laughs> so it was a good way to relax and recover. And I must be going back to my comfort zone because imagine dragons is blaring in my house, <laughs> which is my go-to music when I when I'm needing to recover. Oh, that's great. And after all the duties that you had at JSM, you were entitled to at least one Saturday of binge watching. <laughs> For sure. But but Star Wars? (laughs) Hey, whatever. (laughs) Whatever works. I got my lightsaber out. I'm ready to go again. (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, Ron and I want to thank our guests and thank our listeners, of course. And keeping with tradition, I will now toss it to my colleague, Ron, for his top 10. Thanks, Donna. I was under the weather recently and found myself thinking that certain statistical terms sound a lot like medical problems. I suggested a few of these on Twitter, and my colleagues responded with more suggestions. So, in the ever-expanding efforts of the Practical Significance podcast to be helpful to our listeners, here are the top 10 statistical terms that sound like medical problems. Number 10, heteroscedasticity. Nope, I don't think you'd want to come down with that. 
Number nine, creaking. That's maybe the sound my knees make in the morning. Number eight, persistent homology. You want to take something for that. Number seven, big P, small n. Sounds very bad, but number six, backward elimination. Sounds even worse. Number five, spline. Number four, callback Leibler divergence. Better call the chiropractor for that. Number three, second order convergence. Number two, asymptotic. Like in, I feel fine, but maybe I'm asymptotic. And the number one statistical term that sounds like a medical problem, kurtosis. Well, that's a wrap for this month's podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to continuing the conversation next month. Thank you for listening to this edition of Practical Significance, the podcast of the American Statistical Association. A new episode will be coming your way next month from Amstat News, the ASA's monthly membership magazine.